chapter of Mark today. Mark chapter 14, just a few moments. We'll be starting with the 27th verse. Everyone experiences failure on some level, at least one time or another. We cannot completely avoid it. And so today's message is of recognizing how we approach failure, what gets us there, but more importantly, how we can leave it behind. There were three brothers who grew up in a very dysfunctional family with a very harsh and domineering father. All three brothers ran away from home before each one reached the age of 16. One brother lied about his age so he could join the army. After the army, he started a business at the age of 22 in Kansas City, but it failed and he had to declare bankruptcy. With $40 to his name, he moved to California, determined that he was going to become an actor, and that didn't happen. He and one of his brothers started an animation service, but they never established rights to their art, and so they lost ownership of all their work. He suffered a breakdown. He once had the idea to become a cartoonist, but that never got off the ground either, and so there was more failure. He suffered another breakdown. The two brothers tried to get together to produce some movies, but World War II came, and entertainment was not a high priority for our nation at that time. And By the end of the war, their company was more than $4 million in debt. He had other entertainment ideas, but he couldn't get financial backing. He was depressed. He was under a lot of strain, but he decided to take a chance on the new developing medium of television. Many of us grew up with the Mickey Mouse Club and Davy Crockett and the Sunday evening Wonderful World of Color show. Today, the Walt Disney Corporation is worth more than $80 billion. Walt Disney experienced many failures but he never gave up. In our message today, we're going to be looking at a huge failure in the life of Simon Peter. We're going to see how he approached failure, what took him there, and then also how he gave it up. Stand, if you will, as we read from Mark chapter 14. I'll be reading starting with verse 27. Jesus and his disciples had shared in that last supper and they have now gone to the Mount of Olives. Verse 27, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And it's there that Mark includes a note for us. And all the others said the same. They walked on to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed while Peter and the others slept. Jesus was arrested. And Peter then followed the group back to the house of Caiaphas. We pick up with verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard... One of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. 
When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them, and again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near Peter said, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Let's pray together. Father, as we turn to your word today, we recognize those times that we have failed to be all that you have called us to be as kingdom followers. We have turned away from your word. We have followed our own way. We have followed the ways of others around us. Father, lead us to seek and to claim your forgiveness today and to renew our relationship with you again, anew, afresh. Hear our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. The question is not so much, how does a follower of Jesus get to the place where they deny the Lord? But more importantly, how does a follower of Jesus, any follower, including us today, recover after failing spiritually? Number one in your outlines today, steps to failure. Simon Peter was a leader among the 12 disciples. He was one of the first disciples Jesus called. He is mentioned often as having a prominent role within the 12. He was part of that inner circle of three that experienced some things with Jesus not shared by the rest of the disciples, including the transfiguration. After Jesus returned to heaven, Peter was without question one of the strongest leaders of the early church. And so let's look back at that night when Peter was sitting around the fire near the house of Caiaphas. He was brave enough to at least at some distance follow that mob that arrested Jesus. But still he remained too afraid to identify as a companion of Jesus. And so while that illegal Jewish trial was being conducted, Peter was asked three times if he knew Jesus and three times he denied. We're going to look at three steps in the life of Peter that led to his experience of a spiritual failure today, and they're the same steps that can lead to spiritual denial even for us today. First in your outlines, turning away from God's word. The Matthew account of the occasion when Jesus took his disciples on that retreat to Caesarea Philippi has him asking, uh, what the people were saying about him. Who do the people say that I am? Some say they answered, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, Elijah, one of the prophets. And then very quickly, Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And in that Matthew account, it is Peter who speaks up and says, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus complimented Peter on his understanding, but then when Jesus began to tell them how he was going to Jerusalem where he would be put to death, we have to understand that this was nothing less than a divine revelation from God at that very moment. But Peter 
disagreed with God's word. In Matthew 16, verse 22, it says, Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter had heard God's plan from the very words of Jesus. But he thought he knew better. In effect, he was saying, well, that might be what you say, but that's not what I say is going to happen. And in the very same way, we are headed for failure when we turn away from God's word. That includes when a person no longer consults God's word for guidance in their lives. And so I challenge you today to keep reading and studying and obeying God's word. My father-in-law came to live with us the last couple of years of his life. He was a retired Baptist minister. And there were times that I would be studying or doing some sermon preparation and I would look for a particular book or a commentary or a study guide on the shelf in my office and I knew exactly where it was supposed to be and it wouldn't be there. And so after a while, I learned to just go to Bill's room. And there it would be, opened to a page where he was doing his own personal study. With his health failing, he knew he would never preach again. But that did not stop him from personal study. Just a few days before he died, he had lapsed into unconsciousness. We knew the end was very near. I went to his room one evening and I picked up one of his favorite Bibles. It was open on his desk. And I began to read aloud. And even as I read to him, I found several pages where he had made his own notes in the margin of the Bible. There were Greek words that he knew. There were question marks. And there were arrows drawn from one passage to another. And there were some see also sections that he had written in the margins where he was going to go and look at some other passages of scripture. Now, one thing you have to know about Bill is that Bill dated everything. (laughs) If he went to the store and bought a package of light bulbs, he would write on that package the day he bought it, how much he paid for it. If he went to the store and bought one of those little two packs of scotch tape, Before he broke it open, he would write on the back of that package the day he bought it, where he bought it, and how much he paid for it. As I read those scriptures and saw those notes in his Bible, they were dated just a few days before he died. If you only get one thing from this message today, let it be this. Never stop reading and studying and obeying God's word. There was a time when our national morality was based on the morality of the Bible, but we've long forsaken God's word as a source of right and wrong, and that's one of the reasons our nation is in the shape that it's in today. You can reform everything there is to reform, but until we, the people, return With a hunger and a thirst for God's word, there will be no change for the better good in our country.
Next in your outlines, following false pride. When Jesus predicted that all the disciples would, follow, would leave him, Peter bragged that he would stand by Jesus. These others may turn and run, he said, but I will stand by you no matter what. And Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And yet Peter insisted, no, no, it'll never happen, even if I have to die for you. And remember that Mark also inserted that they all said the same thing, we will die before we forsake you. The Bible has warnings against that kind of pride. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is an attitude that causes one to think that they are incapable of doing wrong. And it's more serious, it is much more, it is much deeper than just everyone else is doing it. That's just an excuse to try to get away with it. Pride is saying, I am too good, I'm too strong, I'm too smart, I'm too anything to ever let that happen to me. In that upper room, before the passage that we read this morning, when Jesus told the twelve that one of them would betray him, they began to say among themselves, surely not me. And they were trying to assert what they would later say in our passage today. Maybe one of those others will, but not me. The fact was that any one of them, every one of them, was capable. Each one was but one moment away from it happening. And in the same way, we too are but one brief moment away from doing the same thing. We are capable of forsaking and denying him, getting away from God's word, allowing false pride. And then the third path to spiritual failure was following peer pressure from the wrong crowd. Peter sat and warmed himself at the fire, one of the other gospels says. He was sitting around those who were hostile toward Jesus. In fact, anyone who associated with him. It's hard to stand up and to confess your faith when you're with people who don't share your beliefs. We read in that 54th verse that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. And maybe that's a good warning for us today. That we'll get ourselves in trouble if we're not following closely to Jesus. Some may have at one time followed him very closely. But along the way have begun to hang back a little bit. And perhaps now see that they are maybe following him, but not as closely as they once did. It's very easy for that next step to then be spending more and more time with those wrong influences and less and less time cultivating that true and right and personal relationship with Jesus. And those influences can be people or they can be other kinds of influences as well. And then the next step, after that is doing the same things that some of those other people are doing. It becomes a progression. Falling away from Jesus very often doesn't happen overnight. It happens gradually over a period of time. Psalm 1-1 speaks directly to this. It begins by telling us what a righteous person does not do. Psalm 1-1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company 
of mockers. See the correlation between Psalm 1-1 and our passage today and the experience with Peter. Peter found himself walking with the wrong crowd. And then he stood with them. And then he sat down with them beside the fire. We all know that in order to witness to people, we have to be around people who do not share our faith or share our commitment or share our Christian standards. But I think that the words here from the psalm as well as from our passage in Mark can still be a good warning. When you're walking with someone, if it is with the intent and the purpose of witnessing, then figuratively speaking, go ahead and walk. But don't stand and don't sit. Do not become one with them. That's what Romans 12 is talking about when it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Peer pressure is powerful. And it comes to all ages. Everyone wants to be accepted. Make your living faith so strong and so contagious and so infectious that other people are drawn to you rather than you being drawn to them. Peter took those three steps, turning away from God's word, falling into false pride, and then submitting to peer pressure. And those steps led him to denying Jesus. A servant girl said, I've seen you with Jesus. You're one of his disciples. And he said, I am not. And she said again, oh, yes, you are. You're one of those disciples. And he said, you're wrong. I don't even know him. And Then one of them heard his accent. There was a recognizable accent within the Hebrew language for those people who came from the region of Galilee. And one man said, I can tell by the way you talk, you're a Galilean, you're one of those with Jesus. And it was then that Peter cursed and at that precise moment it happened. It was still a long time before dawn, but God caused that rooster to crow not once but twice. Then he remembered, and the very same thing that Peter had said repeatedly would never happen, just happened. And Before we find too much fault with Peter, we need to remember that we're just like him. And we are just like the rest of those disciples. Each one was capable of denying Jesus, even though each one said they never would. And we, too, are but a step, a word an action, an attitude away from denying our God. It can be as bold as an action or a declaration, or it can be as simple as an attitude that we're going to follow our own way rather than God's way. It can also be just as subtle as forgetting who or forgetting to acknowledge God working in our lives and it's here that it can apply to every one of us when you accomplish something even something simple who gave you the strength the mind the ability to be able to do it when you do anything was it by your own power or was it God working in you who gave you the breath to even do what you just did when a blessing comes your way, was it just luck or coincidence? Or was it a manifestation of God's grace? 
for Christian believers today and for unbelievers. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. You need to remove the words luck and coincidence from your vocabulary. They do not exist. There are no such things as luck or coincidence, good or bad, or fate, if God controls your life. Let me say it another way. If you do believe in luck or coincidence, then you must think that certain things somehow slip past God and just happen to us. Nothing can be farther from the truth. In the very same way, when we fail to ask for God's guidance in any area of our lives, are we not denying that He alone is our sovereign God? Here's your homework today. Use a good study Bible, a good concordance, a topical Bible if you have one, or just do a search on the computer for three words. The sovereignty of God. Write that down. The sovereignty of God. Do a search for scriptures on the sovereignty of God. Conduct your own study and let those verses impact your life. Nothing ever just happens by chance. Everything that touches your life is under God's sovereignty. Everything. We all fail. We all can deny at one spiritual level or another, but that doesn't mean we're bad people. The issue then is how we deal with it. And so let's go to number two in your outline, steps to restoration. If you're human, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. And what measures the strength of your walk of faith is what you do after that failing. If you get up and keep trying to follow God, He can restore you and he can use you. We looked at three steps in the life of Peter that led to his failure. Let's look at three steps in his life that led to his restoration as well. First, admit your failure. As soon as that rooster crowed, Peter admitted that he had failed the Lord. The Danish artist Karl Bloch captured a scene from the night that Peter denied Jesus. The Gospel of Luke tells us that as Jesus was being led out of the courtroom that night, that he looked across the courtyard and he stared into the eyes of Peter. And it wasn't just a glimpse. The word that's used there is a word that means to stare intently. Jesus and Peter locked eyes. If we could have seen the face of Jesus at that moment, we would have seen how his eyes were nearly swollen shut and his face bloody and bruised from the beatings. Can you imagine Peter looking up and seeing that face just moments after he had said, I will die before I leave you. I don't believe <clears throat> that it was a look of anger or a look of disappointment on Jesus' face. I think it was a look of love. And I think as he looked at Peter, it was a look that was saying, you know, we both knew this was going to happen, didn't we? 
But what's important now is, Peter, what are you going to do about it? Where do we go from here? When it comes to failure and sin in your life, you have two options. You can try to hide it or you can admit it. Even that old book of Proverbs deals with this as well. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Someone said once to err is human and to cover it up is too. <laughs> because that's what we tend to do. That's the very first thing that we want to do. Someone else once said the three hardest words to say in the English language are, I was wrong. When we make a mistake, a mistake, one of the hardest things to do is to simply admit it. Is there an area in your life where you have failed the Lord and you're in denial? There's an old but simple approach to dealing with sin that still works. It's in your bulletins. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. Admit it, confess it to God. Quit it, stop doing it. And then forget it. Accept God's cleansing. Admit it, quit it, forget it. It still works today. And that leads to that second step. Next in your outline, repent of sin. The Bible says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. That word repent in its essence simply means to change. A change of heart that leads to a change in behavior. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, it can be painful. And that's why Peter wept. He was ashamed of his behavior. I believe that one ingredient that is missing in modern praise and worship trends today is an emphasis on confession. Churches today are not being led in corporate worship to voice confession as we should. And pastors are at fault for allowing that to happen. Churches used to have what was called a mourner's bench. Do you remember? It was a single pew down front, and during the invitation, a lot of churches don't even give invitations anymore. What's wrong with that? During the invitation, people would come and kneel and weep as they were confessing their sin. Repentance and sorrow very often go together. And in encouraging repentance, we have to be careful that we don't just rely on emotion. Emotion can be shallow, and it can wear off. The Bible deals with this as well. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. In these modern times, we see too many Christians trying to justify, trying to excuse and embrace their sins. There needs to be more repenting and turning away from it because of the way that it offends our holy and righteous God. Next in your outlines, serve God's people. I want us to observe the difference between Judas Iscariot and Peter. 
Judas was sorry for what he did. He had regret. He went out and hung himself. In our passage today, the last verse that we read, verse 72, said that after Peter denied even knowing Christ, that he went out and wept. He went out and wept because he repented, and then he rejoined his disciples. He was there in that upper room on that first Easter evening when Jesus suddenly appeared in a room that was locked. The Bible says all of the disciples there except Thomas. And Jesus said that not only would Peter deny him, but he also said that Peter would get back on track and would be the one to strengthen the other disciples. In the Luke account, Jesus tells Peter how he would betray him. Luke says it this way. Jesus said, Simon, Simon. He went back to Peter's old name. Because you see, Peter was acting like his old self again. He wasn't being Peter the rock that God had called him to be. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Peter failed when he denied Jesus, but Jesus wasn't through with him yet. In the 16th chapter of Mark, after Jesus was crucified, you remember the story of the women going to the tomb early on Easter morning. And you remember the story of them finding the stone rolled away and the tomb empty and the angel telling them in Mark 16, 7, go tell the disciples and Peter to meet the Lord in Galilee. It's interesting, isn't it? That the angel singles Peter out. It was as if the angel was saying, Ladies, you make sure you tell Peter that Jesus wants him. If I could offer just a very brief paraphrase of that Mark 16, 7 for just a moment and add one thought as an exposition, it would be this. The angel is saying, go and tell the disciples and insert your name. Jesus will meet you. Go and tell all the brothers and sisters and say your name. Jesus will meet you. Maybe you have denied him. Perhaps even in just some small way. Maybe you're denying his sovereignty over your life by choosing your way, not following his way. If you have failed God in any way whatsoever, Hear the voice of the angel calling your name today, saying, God will meet you again. After the resurrection, in John chapter 21, Peter and the disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee fishing. They had fished all night, hadn't caught anything, been there, done that. They saw a man standing on the shore who called out, caught any fish? And in disappointment, you can hear it in their voices, right? No. The man said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Now that should have rung a bell with them right there. Because it happened before. They drop the net into the water and it becomes so full of fish, they have to drag it to the shore. And it's John who says, 
It's the Lord. And Peter, who had denied Jesus just a few nights, couldn't even wait for the boat to get there. He jumps overboard, swims to shore. That's how excited he was. And when the rest of the disciples arrived, Jesus already had a fire going on the beach and fish cooking. Wouldn't you have loved to have been at that fish fry? (laughs) But here's my point. You see, once again, Peter is looking at Jesus across a fire. You remember the earlier passage in Mark? Once again, Jesus and Peter are looking at each other across a fire. Only this time, instead of denying him three times, this time Peter proclaims his love for Jesus three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And all three times it was followed with a call to service. Feed my sheep. The Bible is full of stories of people who loved God and yet failed Him in some way, but they returned to Him. And then God used them in kingdom work. First Baptist Church of Titusville. It may well be that your church needs you. God needs you to admit it. Admit some things. Quit it. Quit some things. And then forget it. And I would add to that, get back to service. I close with this today. How beauty comes by skillful hand from just a piece of clay. God turns my darkness into light and changes night to day. The guilt of sin is now removed. He gives new life to me. He turns the failure of my life into a victory. It is a glorious miracle how God's grace changes me. He does not see me as I am. He sees what I can be. God's miracle can change your life. His grace for you is free. He does not see you as you are. He sees what you can be. Allow God to restore and change your life today. Let's pray about it. Father, once again, we cannot help but be reminded of those ways, those times that we failed. We have failed to be what you have called us to be. We have failed to do those things. We have failed to take advantage of those opportunities that you have given us. Forgive us, Father. We confess those times to you this moment right now. And through your love, through your grace, restore us once again. Lead us to paths of service. Give us those opportunities and help us to be faithful to it. This, our church, needs it. You need it in each and every one of our lives. We hear our, give our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Every service that I preach with you, I will give you an opportunity to respond. 
I will give you an opportunity to respond in any way that God might be speaking to your heart. It might be regarding your relationship to him. It might be regarding your relationship to this church. And very often you will also hear me say, not for show, not for me, not for anyone else, but there may be God's spirit leading some to simply come and kneel at the front and do some serious business with God. There may be some needs to confess. And if I can help you with that, if I can pray with you, allow me that privilege. You respond as God speaks to your heart. Stand as we sing together.